Hi everybody, welcome to the GNR on IoT podcast. My name is Gaurav Suman and I'm here with Ravi Subramanian. We work with a company called HiveMQ which helps companies move data in the IoT realm. A, a little bit about me, I am leading a function called product marketing at HiveMQ and in the past I've worked with a variety of companies and technology businesses which includes unified communications, telecoms, networking and some software technology companies. I'm joining you from Ottawa, Canada. And before we begin, Ravi and I would like to emphasize that this podcast is separate from our work at HiveMQ. But it is our desire to bring you useful insights and information from the world of data and IoT. Hey Ravi, do you want to say a quick hi to our audience? Hello everyone. Uh, uh, very, very happy um, day wherever you are in the world. Uh, just to quickly, quickly introduce myself, I'm Ravi Subramanian. I'm originally from India and I've been here in Chicago for the past uh, 20 plus years. I've been with, uh, at, at HiveMQ specifically, I focus on industry solutions. So HiveMQ is, um, goes across multiple industries because we are a MQTT broker-based technology and my focus is manufacturing. And um, so I'm basically ensuring that HiveMQ can easily sell into the manufacturing vertical. So, and the reason why I'm at HiveMQ is because of the background that I have. Over the past few years, I've spent uh, in various companies in manufacturing specific roles in IoT and other areas. I've been with industrial automation companies so such as GE. I've been with, um, with pure OEM companies in minerals and mining in oil and gas. I've been with um, a Parker Hannafin, which is uh, a motion management company. They make products that I use to control the motion within the factory floor, as well as uh, an automotive. So uh, I was uh, doing IoT for them. So by merit of that, I'm the resident manufacturing ex expert here at HiveMQ, and I'm here to share some of my insights that I've gained over the years. Awesome. Thank you, Ravi. Thank and you. the topic we've chosen today is open versus closed ecosystems. And we pretty much every day have to uh, think through how how can we make sure our customers understand it's important for them to be conscious of um, this decision that they have to make on pretty much um, uh, every use case that they're dealing with, right? Do they go, go with a, mm -hmm. a provider which looks all in one or pick specialist providers and then choose to bring them together so that it fits their use case particularly well. Mm -hmm. So I would like to start this conversation, Ravi, uh, using an example. And this is an sure. experience I had at my home here in, in Ottawa. Mm. All right. So last year I moved into a new house and you know the home came with these beautiful motorized blinds from- uh, Oh, love those things, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're fantastic. So, and this is from a fairly popular brand, you know, I yeah, everybody would probably know the, the one of the more or rather the most popular window window treatment companies. Mm. And interestingly, they were all smart blinds and mm. they were smart blinds, which, which got me excited, you know, being a, being a tech guy working in the tech space. And I'm, right. I'm, exactly. I'm fascinated. Smart anything whole... is interesting, right? <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. They're smarter than me <laughs> on most days, I guess. So I, um, you know, I was, I was excited. I was like, okay, where's the remote? So there is a remote, you know, you, 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 you find a remote, but then you realize that, oh, that we've got different remotes because this one remote is working on this blinds in the dining. There's another remote which works for the, for the blinds elsewhere in the house. 
which I could still live with. But then beyond a week, I realized that, you know, this is a struggle every single time having to find which remote. And of course, you can right. label it Keeping and whatnot. But I'm generally speaking, it's not a convenient experience. Right. And, and now we're in the a world first things where, you know, that we always lose is the remotes, right? <laughs> absolutely. And yeah, yeah, that, that, that was a constant struggle as well. So I looked up, I was like, hey, you know, they, they got to have something better going on here. We are living in a mobile first era. So I, I searched online and I see that, hey, their website does sell what's called a hub. And mm -hmm. that hub can over a radio connection. So I just want to be clear here. This is not Wi-Fi just yet. So we are talking about a remote controller right. connecting with uh, a smart, quote unquote, blind. And those right. blinds are on a radio frequency. And now they had a hub you could buy hmm. for for a significant amount of money, actually $260 mm. Canadian. Wow. You could buy mm. that hub. And that hub would give you the ability to have an app on your phone and the app will mm. speak to the hub and the hub will in turn speak to the to the to the smart blinds. Got now it. I'm not going to get into you know what the range of the hub is, etc. That's a challenge in itself, but irrespective of that. So weirdly enough, the hub is manufactured by the same company which manufactures the blinds, which makes sense. The app is made by that company which makes those blinds, which is okay, I guess. But then mm. the interesting process was that when I placed in, or rather I, I went online and I wanted to place an order, turns out there's no way for you to place an order because they will only work through distributors and you know installation contractors. So the the one only thing we could, uh, rather I could do when when I was trying to buy this is to send them an inquiry and say, hey guys, can you mm -hmm. give me this one thing I need? And right. a list of questions came back to say, you know, how many blinds do you have, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, you know, however many I have, the only thing I can afford here to begin mm -hmm. with at least, you know, to begin to test if this, this thing is going to work is this one thing. So can you give me this? And the only way they could sell is to put me in touch with a contractor who, use, who, who rather is their offices half, half the city away. I had to coordinate with him. It took 14 days for that box to come in. Now I install it, you know, it's, it's working, but it doesn't really work with anything else. It's packaged right. fancy, but then right. it doesn't really, from an aesthetics perspective, it doesn't tie with anything else in my house because I'm sure right. they, they put the smartest right. people on the job to come up with something beautiful looking, but right. it doesn't go with anything else. It's got a blue light, which, which is crazy to have, for example, in a bedroom, right? It just spoils your right. sleep. The app experience, the app looks nice, but the ability for it to really do the job it is supposed to do is is clunky. Right. The the manual that came in the box, um, it looked like it was well packaged, like you would find in a mm. high end Apple product or Google product. It looked nice, but as you begin mm -hmm. to go through it, it it kind of started to unravel. You know, you could find some typos here or there once in a while. Mm. All of this is to say, all of this mm -hmm. is to say that there was this one company which was trying to be everything, or it still is trying to be everything. They are the sales channel. Mm -hmm. So I'm, first I'm talking business and technology here, right? They are the ones who will, who will choose how they want to sell to you and exactly Correct. if they will sell to you or not, right? I mean, right. perhaps this one contractor could have said, no, you know, I don't have time to drive, you know. And they took the least money. path of resistance by going through distribution, right? Because they don't but, want to be in the, in the middle of all this. So they went through this distribution. Yeah. So, but, but weirdly enough, Ravi, the, um, it, yes, resistance, yes, but I didn't have any option. The only company yeah. I could use for right. this product is, right. is the manufacturer themselves. Right. And the, the ability for them to deliver an app and to deliver the documentation that comes with the, with the kit and so on 
everything must have been a journey for them every point in time right. they would have had to sit down and say okay how do we even do this mm. or maybe who is the person who we can bring in and who can do this and then walk away from yeah. here and now when i look but online it looks like look at, they didn't do a good job with that either right <laughs> it looks like it's an archaic app and the the whole right. experience was still even though i don't know how much you spent extra right even after spending all that extra canadian dollars mm -hmm. you still had like an okay experience maybe not a very very bad experience but an okay experience but but the weird thing ravi is that i i can't even compare it with anything else this is the only choice right. i have that right. is exactly why i think it's it's pertinent that we talk to our listeners today about a closed ecosystem versus an open right. ecosystem there are right. products out there unfortunately smart blinds actually it may or may not be part of it because i i decided to use the blinds i have in the house which cost thousands of dollars <laughs> to buy so i would not buy new just because there right. are smarter ones available now right but there are products out there which you can buy and mm -hmm. it could be a doorbell camera it could be uh, light bulbs which are specialized for the function that they provide and then they decouple and then they make their functionality available into um the google home assistant ecosystem or Correct. the amazon echo or, or ecosystem Alexa. or others yeah. mm -hmm. and they're mm -hmm. saying you know we're going to stick with what we know best which is to build a bulb to make sure that it fits you know where it is supposed to fit to make sure it delivers right. the efficiency that it does right and then the rest right. of it which is the app experience the smart home experience even the buying experience you know they are not direct to consumer uh, they are they are choosing right. to go on a platform sell via retailers however they might like and right. that i think is that got me thinking that hey you know the situation we sometimes find um yes our customers but generally speaking enterprises also right is that you are out there looking for a solution and there is a strong pull from from some closed ecosystem businesses now they might right. be large or small we are not debating that but i think the merits of working inside of a closed uh environment versus keeping your options open and and why would you want to do that is is what i would right. love to uh, discuss with you ravi and and get your thoughts Absolutely. so please go Absolutely. ahead what, what are your sort of top of mind things when it comes to the 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 background and then advantages and disadvantages of operating in this in this way right um and we have seen it time and again with other things that we we have to we buy a product because we really like it but then now we are you're kind of like stuck in the ecosystem of that product right now do you like it as much right because as as human beings we want to have control over things as opposed to being controlled by something else right so we want to be able to get the best product that would work for your for your home for example right isn't the iot dream to bring together things that you feel are the best when it comes to being able to talk to multiple devices the best fridge right the best um you know dishwasher the best like washing machine and things like that right bring them together and have them being able to talk to each other as opposed to just going with one brand just because i have this i have to get the same brand because that's the only way i can get these things to talk to each other right mm -hmm. that's the that's the whole like dream behind like um you know the, the need for like an open communication platform or mm -hmm. open ecosystem as we call it so that it's yes it may not be easy it may not be easy but there has to be there has to be an open at least a semi openness in my opinion that would allow people to make the decisions on based on like the best use case for what their needs are because not everybody is made equal not every home is the same not every use case is the same everybody differs so everybody needs to make a decision based on really what they want to do as opposed to what they're forced to do because of what technology offers right that's uh, at a high level what i think right really so some something else comes to mind here ravi and i think the market can be a guide um in this case and mm -hmm. the 
use case which comes to mind for me from a, as a consumer is that for the for the for the longest time i was a youtube music subscriber which is a google okay. owned service yes. and then i had yes. a bunch of or still have actually a, a bunch of nest uh, speakers all around my house sure interestingly though youtube music was the one of the only two streaming music services that the the speakers supported you could either go spotify or you could go youtube music but right. on the other end i'm an iphone user and i'm an ipad mm-hmm. user i'm in the i'm in the apple ecosystem to some degree and i love how apple music um, has for example uh, playlist curation happening and i love that they can show me lyrics you know those are features right. youtube music doesn't have youtube music has got right. its own advantages but then right i'm happy to not, pay for not what you wanted not what you wanted <laughs> there was no overlap in ter- well i mean overlap in terms of the music per se right. you know you, you could get the same same playlists maybe or the same uh, tracks right but here i was for the longest time waiting or i actually i shouldn't even say waiting i had assumed and i had given mm-hmm. up that it will ever happen that apple music services will be available on a google service but it had right. happened so I, hmm. i can't remember the timeline but let's say one year back or or thereabouts in canada and i'm and i'm sensing that that happened before uh, it happened in canada it happened in the us and other markets sure sure apple extended its ability to stream music through the google ecosystem nice fantastic and now you know i don't want to use that you know uh, keyword because otherwise my speakers will trigger but if i say those words which pretty much all of our audience would know how you <laughs> which we all know on a google speaker um yeah the next yeah. thing it last it's going to say okay i'm going to play this music on apple music interestingly right. me being right. a so hindi is my mother tongue okay it can listen to me in hindi but interesting interesting if i try to speak to siri in hindi siri does not follow hindi Ooh. it doesn't understand hindi at all but now i can talk to the google ecosystem hmm i my inquiry is in hindi it's hmm. going to go and dip into whatever apple music is up to and deliver to mm-hmm. me the song i need but my nice. inquiry was in hindi that's a, that's that's very interesting that apple actually yeah. did that right and i would say that's because of consumer demand because apple is uh, very i wouldn't say notorious but like very well known for being having a closed ecosystem right because they <laughs> like to keep all their things close to themselves be right. it um, the accessories be it like applications be it like the the whole ecosystem of apple products that we have everything working with each other and right. and they made it so easy right and that's that's one of the great things about apple right if you enter their ecosystem like very simple right i get a new phone right, right. i my i to replace my old phone all i need to do is bring that new phone close to my old phone right. boom it will automatically like say hey you know do you want to back up from the old device boom exactly. it's all done for you yeah. you don't have to sit and do anything right <laughs> that saves so much time for people sure. and the learning aspect is so simple that anybody and everybody can do it right sure. so that's one great thing that they do so ravi uh, absolutely no uh, 100% agree with you just going back to what i was saying which is you know market being our guide so what we are yes. seeing here is you start by saying no i'm going to like you said right it's a it's a it's a, it's a guarded ecosystem they say no right. we don't want our experience to be sacrificed you know for the right. longest time in this use case i described apple was uh, holding on to that idea right. um, and that's the notion we as consumers had and and we had a reason to believe in that notion that it's not going to change at right. some point they decided no this should not be this way and let's change move forward a, right. a person is paying subscription to us any which way if they choose to consume that music through speakers that another brand makes we should Correct. not come in the way so i have a sonos my sonos can Correct. stream apple music 
my um, my Google Nest speakers can stream Apple Music. I don't have any other mm-hmm. uh, music streaming uh, devices here, but just goes on to show. Uh, excuse me, goes on to show that over time, um, the manufacturers, the platform companies realize that there is little advantage for consumers and perhaps also for them to build everything in house and and keep them tightly uh, tucked into you know uh, their corner of the play right. field here so right. that is what i mean by market being the guide so my hope is that and we we'll mm-hmm. talk about some of the hyperscale companies and and other you know, sort of closed ecosystems from an iot perspective market being the guide with apple and other companies you know choosing to focus on precisely what their right core value proposition is and then allowing others to bring in the interwork capabilities and consumer is the winner in the end where consumer can bring in best of all the worlds they want and have the exact experience uh, right. that they choose and craft for themselves if that makes right. sense right so that which is very interesting right because in this case apple figured out that mm-hmm. they don't have to compromise their ecosystem or their experience mm-hmm. by doing this in fact they can still differentiate themselves by having the application do stuff that other applications cannot do in this case it's just a question of okay you know what apple music being able to be played through other speakers or other uh, other ecosystems but my experience is still my experience that's apple music right right they figured it out exactly right Quite exactly. interesting. So they figured out what the yeah. core was so Ravi, yep. uh, related to that you know we yeah uh, we we know that there are uh, hyperscale businesses let's let's start yes. there and with a hyperscaler yep. um, what we mean is uh, in aws and azure um, Google GCP. Cloud Platform, right? yep. mm-hmm. and these are companies which have massive investments and, and presence and specialized services, all fantastic. They've really moved the needle on enterprise IoT, IT, right. adoption, so all good. Um, all good. Now, the space we operate in, IoT, mm-hmm. the most fascinating thing about IoT is that the tiniest bit of code that has to sit on this one device, which is way far out there, nobody's perhaps Correct. even going to go back to it ever again. Right in the middle of nowhere, in a desert, maybe, exactly. or in like in, in the middle of a ship. <laughs> there you go, right? So, right. And then again, you know, and perhaps nobody will ever even touch it again, you know, once it is right. there. Right. And it's exactly. Supposed to still stay alive, you know, do its right. job. And what I'm getting at is that it's 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 seeming as if um, every single um, attempt that hyperscale companies make at uh, their platform expanding, it seems mm-hmm. as if um, th- they are. They are trying to make a case for the enterprise to to not have much to think about, right? That's the case they are making, and they are saying, yes, "Yes, leave it to us." Whether it's the device, one leave stop it to shop, us. Right, one, one stop, stop shop. shop. Mm-hmm. And the challenge, at least I I am seeing with that, is you are taking away choice, and that choice yes. may not be as imminent today. But you know, just moving the needle forward into newer use cases or newer opportunities Correct. or newer challenges Correct. customers face what happens next so can you Correct. can you share your experience around this ravi and what you feel even currently we are hearing from customers around this yeah so so it's a clear case of these companies uh, trying to which which kind of like started on the cloud right obviously we know microsoft we we know azure we know azure by its cloud cloud services we know aws from its cloud services we know google from its cloud services right now they're trying to come down and try to get more vertically aligned on the edge or edge to cloud, getting into MQTT, creating like a, what they call a broker, software broker, like a, a AWS um, 
um, IoT core or an Azure IoT hub, for example, that does that, that transmission of the data from edge to cloud. What I've found through uh, my experiences uh, working in other companies and here also at Hive, MQ, is that uh, they actually are very purpose-built, right? They're kind of like a very narrow use case implementation of the, you know, even, even the uh, like protocol. Like when you, when you take uh, MQTT, which stands for message queue, like telemetry so transport, if you will, um, that protocol is kind of like implemented very lightly, right? They don't have all the feature functionality and it's a means to an end for them, right? And I think like for like hooking in customers or getting customers to use their ecosystem, it, it all works. But when it comes to like scaling up the systems, because we all know IoT can really scale up, right? I mean, like if you look, look at the connected car, it can scale up to millions and millions of devices, right? And then obviously when reliability, scalability, those things become a very important thing, right? I mean, how much, how important is uptime for you, for example, right? If your system goes down, how quickly do you want, to, want it to come up? Can these hyperscalers service those, that level of um, quality of service, for example, right? That is really, in my opinion, questionable. And time and again, we have seen that it doesn't quite cut it, for example, in those, uh, in those use cases. And so you need somebody that kind of like specializes in that, for example, to kind of like put their hand up and say, I, I can do this, right? And then from a customer perspective, they should be able to work with those as well as with the hyperscalers to put together a solution that works best for them, for, for whatever use cases they, they need it for. Right. And, and yeah. Ravi, you know, one might wonder as a listener that, hey, are you saying that mm -hmm. some company, and again, just to be clear and underscore for everybody who's listening, this is not to do with our jobs. This is our understanding of the technology space and the, the way mm -hmm. we, as a vendor, obviously see the space. So this is our opinion on that. We might sure. use the term customers slash enterprises interchangeably, but please remember sure. that this is not about any of our uh, current customers or, or prospects. But sure. coming back to the point uh, I, I wanted to make, Ravi, which is that, you know, one might wonder that, hey, a, you're saying a smaller company, you know, has a better, bigger idea and a proposition and a scale support capability than, you know, um, a, a multi-billion dollar uh, worldwide enterprise. Uh, rather, worldwide service provider, and my, 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 my opinion on that is that it's it's important for us to realize how those businesses are shaped. Those, those right. businesses are based on economies of scale. Right. Those businesses have mm -hmm. a data center footprint. They have huge wide area network investments. They made. Right services investments on top of infrastructure which they have created, perhaps custom created, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on which they have spun up amazing services for big data, for analytics, and, and all of that good stuff. Right. Now, once they do that, um, they have an option um, to make a solid case to mm -hmm. an enterprise out there to say, guys, come to us because we are a one-stop shop. Yes, all right. that makes sense. Right. Mm -hmm. And one would wonder that, yeah, I mean, this is all technology is is a is is an equalizer, right? However, right. I can do I as in let's say a hyperscaler A can do analytics, perhaps data, uh, B can do their own uh, similar way of of operations. Right. But that's mm -hmm. not accurate. There's that's enough not. data out there to show you how, say, the compute workloads perform better on provider A versus provider B. Oh, absolutely. Um, and if absolutely. you trace back, you'll see that the decisions they made around their product roadmaps, the decision they made on the technology they're going to use, the decision they made on the process 
processor architecture, et cetera, everything mm -hmm. rolls up to the final product that they have out in the market. Right, now, exactly. As a consumer or, or a mm -hmm. business who has to now choose where do you go and plug your mm -hmm. data lake, where do you go and get your analytics capabilities, right. the only way for you to make those decisions which are which are great today and sustainable tomorrow, mm -hmm. you need to be able to decouple at every level and say, okay, my clients right. don't need to depend on, my MQTT client, for example, does not need to mm -hmm. depend on the cloud I'm using. So how right. can I keep control of that? Level two, right. my network doesn't have to depend on the hyper cloud provider I want to use. I want to make sure there's an uptime. I want to make sure our SREs and our operations team right. have got you know deep access and, and ability to support this. How do I decouple it? So you choose that. At some point you hit, for example, a broker. That's the that's the technology right. platform Ravi and I are most uh, sort of exposed to in our current jobs mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. A broker, um, MQTT or not, is that component of a distributed architecture system which allows you to then plug into multiple clouds, multiple right. on-premises eco uh, uh, right. systems, etc. Yeah, and it specializes in IoT, IoT systems, right? Right. So. Mm -hmm. This is where MQTT, which is a de facto protocol for right. IoT, comes in. And right. mm -hmm. there are so many smarts. Obviously, this this conversation may not be the right place to you know begin to dive into right. these right, specifications. Right. But it's it's fascinating right. to see mm -hmm. how the MQTT specification, and, and I would encourage our listeners to read the specification on the OASIS website. Mm -hmm. OASIS describes mm -hmm. this to say, this is a protocol that works in a hostile environment. They use that right. term hostile to, to just right. set the context. It's Correct. not in right. an air conditioner, uh, or not right. always in a protected, right. multi-tier, guarded ecosystem. This could be way out there. Right. So in that environment, right. you have to authenticate. Right. You have to create reliability. Right. You have to deliver right. reliability over unreliable networks and so on. Absolutely. Um, and, and if yeah. I can just chime in, right? I mean, the whole MQTT actually it started in 1999 mm -hmm. with Philips 66, which is a um, obviously like oil and gas company. And... The, the sole purpose of them wanting a lightweight protocol that works in unreliable, hostile systems is because they had all these remote assets that are sitting in the middle of nowhere that they wanted to connect up to their enterprise. And these things literally didn't have uh, connectivity, right? Or it had completely unreliable connectivity. How would you ensure that you're able to still bring in the data in a reliable, secure manner so that you can do your, um, you can bring it together to your enterprise and make sense out of that? That's right. the whole purpose why MQTT was created in the first place. Right, right, makes sense. Yep. And yep. then you know the 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 way for a hyper cloud provider uh, mm -hmm. to then be useful for you is is like a menu card. You know, you should be able to then choose and say, okay, I'm going to get this from Amazon. I'm going to get this other capability from um, from perhaps an IBM cloud if if, if right. one has to do that, right? Why stop right. at one? And there is Oracle Cloud, there is Alibaba Cloud, and you go into different markets, you need to regionalize your data, you need right. governance on that data, you need to uh, add some entitlement at some points, just based mm -hmm. on the kind of technology um, stack you have, etc. Right. It can all be possible, but the, the, the risk that you carry by signing up into an ecosystem, right. you need to be conscious of you know what you are letting go of, the, the right. control you exactly. lose and the flexibility you lose Correct. In the longer Correct. Run. Right. And, and I also I just, feel that, yes, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, not at go all. Ahead. I was going to ask you about this concept. You know, I, I when we speak to, or I should say, lead, read literature or hear the pitch from yes. um, some some of the hypercloud companies, they talk right. about this idea called synergies. You know, they yep. they would they yes. would not let this concept of a lock-in 
creep mm-hmm. in. They would say, oh, we have got awesome synergies because this whole thing is owned by us, right? The operating Correct. system, the Correct. firmware, exactly. the, perhaps the processor architecture in some cases. Right. How do you right. how do you uh, see that, right? I mean, what's a good way for us to draw a line between uh, synergies versus getting, you know, sort of incarcerated in a in, in a, yeah. in a yeah. vendor ecosystem? So, so it's like, to me, the synergies means, you know, it works in a, a specific kind of like set of use cases, this works best, right? Now, we all know our customers have very, very different variety of use cases. And some customers are new to this journey. Some customers are more mature, if you will, right? Uh, we, based on our experience, I mean, we have some customers that clearly have a lot of um, work that they've already done, both in the IT side and OT side of things. They clearly know what they want, right? And so for those customers, for example, having a closed ecosystem is an absolute no-no because for them, they know clearly that, hey, I want to be able to do X, Y, Z with uh, with AWS or Azure. Mm-hmm. I want to do something else with somebody else because I know that they have this one feature, one or two features, for example, mm-hmm. that I really like that AWS or somebody else doesn't have, right? So for them, for example, uh, like a, a, this is a so-called synergetic solution offered by a... Um, um, by a hyperscaler is a no-no. I would yeah. argue that even for a customers that are not well-informed, it's it's not the, the best idea because their use case may be very simple today, but over time, as they kind of like grow, that's kind of like where they'll, st- they'll start seeing like the, the issue of like not being able to do certain things and having right. to being locked into or, or be at the, the receiving end of somebody that says that, okay, I'll, I'll deliver this feature at this time or that time, right? right? I want to be able to control my own destiny. That's that's what customers really want based on what what we know, their use cases and what we've talked to them about. Agreed. And, and you, you raise yeah. such an interesting point here, Ravi, around, around roadmap. And what we can see, for example, with let's talk about Sparkplug, and uh, dear listeners, you can't see obviously, but Ravi is wearing a, sh- a shirt, um, a-, a polo which says <laughs> Sparkplug on it. So you know right. that he's he's <laughs> he's well invested into the space. Right. Um, it might surprise people that Sparkplug, and you, you look at the literature, it's fantastic. It's got amazing features like report by mm-hmm. exception. So it's built yeah. for you know mm-hmm. uh, something awesome. It's it can create yeah. an experience for right. manufacturing companies which which right. was unthinkable until a few years ago. So but real I, quick, uh, Gaurav, uh, for the good. folks that don't know Sparkplug, can you yes. just explain in real high level what Sparkplug is? You are the right person to do it, my friend. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, so essentially, we have MQTT, right? That's kind of like the messaging protocol that was created for IoT. But over time, as we were looking to adopt this technology to the manufacturing environment, right? I think um, there were there were some 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 shortcomings that was felt, right? And Sparkplug, in short, was created to overcome those shortcomings. So, uh, for example, right? Um, in factory systems, you have like groups of equipments. You don't have single equipment separately. You have different sections of say. 10 equipments controlled by a PLC, and then like there is other MES systems and so on and so forth, right? And you might want to define a data model like together, if you will, and you might want to send one kind of like a message over as a a combination of your edge of node system as opposed to each of the machines sending separately, right? So that's what Sparkplug aims to fulfill, right? The creating, the ability to create those data models that are specific to manufacturing, and then like, the ability to do birth and death, if you will, hey, you know, I'm a new 
device that or uh, system that is that is being created within the factory floor anybody mm -hmm. that subscribed to that system if you will will get a notification that it is mm -hmm. this a new system is born or mm -hmm. the system has been decommissioned for example right uh, the ability to store and forward which again in a factory environment is very common because the connectivity is not always there so you want to be able to store data like when you lost communica communication and then like restore it when the communication is restored. Those kinds of things. So that's kind of like what Sparkplug uh, aims to do. Awesome, Ravi. No, this makes makes sense. And can I just sort of add my own little please, personal please. element? Yes. So when you said, you know, there are places in the factory where there might not be any network, you know, one would think, oh, factory? I mean, factories are so well serviced. Everybody yes. would have access to every single corner. Why would there be ever a place where you can't get a connection so an example mm -hmm. so where i'm sitting right now um i'm i'm on wi-fi and i i can bet you there's a fan close by here if i turn on that fan i don't know what happens if it's the <laughs> the motor in the thing or if it's the the the, the air itself coming from the fan mm. something disrupts the wi-fi and no. the connection will become jittery you know the video mm -hmm. will begin to uh, get pixelated so, interesting interestingly right i mean something which is an external element and this mm -hmm. wi-fi as we are talking here and i'm recording and i and i work all day on, on this wi-fi a small fan sitting right next to me when i turn it on and this is me being able to isolate it because it's just me right. in a factory there right. are thousands of moving parts so yeah. you don't know what's going to happen and it happens so that's why the one example you gave of you know holding data back store it right. and forward it right. when the connectivity is right. live is right. so crucial. It can be so important for safety. Yeah, for, because uh, in a factory system, more. factory yeah. environment, right? I mean, like uh, you don't, they typically don't want you, you to use the factory network itself because that's kind of like heavily guarded because that's needed for the core operation of the equipments. Mm -hmm. So they have like a parallel network typically, right? For yeah. doing like any IoT and things like that. And those things, depending on the maturity of the factory, it's either really good or in its in its infancy, right? And that's why you typically have those connectivity issues because of the fact that it's not quite fully matured yet. Right, right. Yeah, so that's super interesting. And the and the one feature I mentioned, which is called report by exception, that's again part of the right. Sparkplug stack. And obviously, this is such a fascinating right. um, industry aligned. A standard that's been created. It's it's just amazing to see, you know, how how that's right. picking up. But going going back to why I mentioned Sparkplug was because uh, pretty much all the hyper cloud providers, because they chose not to follow an open standard, as in right. MQTT, they, mm -hmm. they have, and we don't we don't say this lightly. If you go and check the compliance, you will see there is a huge gap. I, I there's a huge gap in compliance. You know, there are right. Many critical features, uh, let's say quality of service levels, which are defined by the MQTT, right. Right. Um, right. you know, a, a standing committee. Those are not the ones which have been adopted by the hypercloud companies. They've done something of their right. own, and one might wonder why. But I, I don't have the answer. I don't care whether we have Correct. the answer or not. The reality is that they've gone that path. Yeah. Right, and, and it, it works when, for them. It works for them. Yeah. For whatever purpose they built it, it works for them. Yeah. Perhaps. And now, mm -hmm. when you know, customers are saying, "Okay, I love Sparkplug. How do I get started?" And they go to you know, uh, one of these, you know, <laughs> bigger hypercloud companies and say, guys, wh when do we get started on this? And, and you will, you will hear radio silence because Cric there's no answer. <laughs> You'll hear crickets or you'll hear a, a, a very, you know, a sort of curveball kind of a thing, which is coming at you, which, right. you know, you'll be like, okay, you are not ready for it. It looks like you are not ready for it yet. So let's, you know, take a different path towards it. Right. And right. I, I, 
you know, it's it's we're not really painting anybody in a in a in a bad uh, way here. We're just explaining to you, just based on the evolution of these uh, businesses over time, mm -hmm. there are some decisions which which carry a degree of debt with them, and that debt is getting passed on to customers now, where they have to then bite this you know bitter pill to say, you know. The IT architect who's been who's, who was impressed by Spark plug and just went to his CIO to get an approval, and CIO said go, and the guy goes back to the vendor and they say no, but I, no. we don't know this, you no. know. So right. th and this is the this is the dream that's coming to. First, uh, yeah. the CIO says that we are an we are an Azure house and we don't support anything apart from Azure, and then this IT architect is like, but I want Spark plug because that's uh -huh. kind of like what will really be useful if right. you will to connect the factories if you will right. or bring in the data but right oh get out of luck because uh the uh, hyperscaler doesn't support spark plug right right yeah and you know we are not even getting close to that idea of a multi-cloud etc that's obviously a whole right. world in itself but here that's, you are right. right you you mm -hmm. you right away see somebody will say oh we want to do digital transformation oh that means that we need to optimize what's happening mm -hmm. in this mm -hmm. area of our business this other area of our business it's a journey where do you start right. you know you go and talk to your vendors and say guys here's what we are planning to do next right. i want to be able to optimize this and now your options are restricted because the platforms um, mm -hmm. you, you are with you know it's hard or perhaps impossible for you to you know plug anything else into them Yes. So something to keep in mind, it's, it's it, yeah. obviously all of this has to be qualified with the specific use cases, but this is where, you know, the idea of a synergy, I mean, I yeah. see a synergy, for example, and Ravi, you and I have talked about this example. So my sure. watch, the Apple watch yes. I wear, when mm -hmm. I walk closer to my MacBook, my MacBook unlocks by itself. Yeah. Fantastic. I love it. That's awesome. But then beyond that, you know, I have to wonder if, if I want to be any, any more tied into this ecosystem. I can see an advantage right away. My watch is helping me unlock my laptop. You know, the friction point is reduced. This is a good yeah. synergy. But if you say right. that, you know, everything else you do from this point on, you're going to need an Apple Watch. You know, your house will unlock, your car will un un uh, oh, yeah. start only yeah. because of an Apple Watch. What if so you happen to, God, God forbid, you lose it? You're out of luck. There, there you go. But, <laughs> yeah, that, that's one example. Or, you know, someday you don't have the, however, whichever way the, right. the mechanism works. I don't know if it's near field communication. It, it could right. be. It's hard to say what's, yeah. what goes on. But if it's the cloud, yeah. which is doing the authentication, right. um, there's a and problem. The cloud is right? dumped. <laughs> or, or maybe I'm in bad connectivity, right? I mean, so right. stuff like this, right? Where, where there yeah. are some nuances. So right. as somebody who has to think through all of these variety of use cases, uh, I would think, you know, they need to attach a degree of uh, independence in their thinking, right. assess the risks of, you know, getting into an ecosystem, identify synergies versus lock in. And that should right. be what forms kind of um, a, a, a triangle of, of sorts to make sure you're, you're assessing your technology choices appropriately. Sure. So Ravi, anything you want to add before we um, wrap up? I think, yeah. I mean, uh, I think we we talked about it all, right? I mean, I think we have to close versus open. There is, there is definitely a place for closed ecosystem in some use cases, but generally when you look at it, customers want choice, right? And so when they want choice, you even the folks that have closed ecosystem need to try to provide those choice, but of course, without compromising the experience, because the reason why they make it closed is because they don't want to compromise their experience, right? They want to you to feel that brand that they've created, but is there a way that you can continue to protect that brand and give some ability for customers to go beyond, right? right. And bring in others into the ecosystem that would solve their problems, right? That's what I think, like there is openness. I think there is that that is definitely happening, uh, but there could be more. Because at the end of the day, it's the customers that really matter, right? Absolutely, absolutely. 
good place to today's close our conversation, Ravi. Yes. Um, I'm sure this is the first in many conversations we're going to have amongst ourselves and share with the world. So to our listeners, thank you for making the time. You will have an option and ability to follow uh, future conversations. And then we'll also let you know how exactly to get in touch with us on any particular topics you want to recommend, any feedback you want to give us on, on our conversation. Thank you so much. This again is uh, Gaurav from Ottawa, Canada. With me is my colleague Ravi Subramanian joining us from uh, Chicago, Illinois. Thank you so much for your time and we'll speak to you soon again. Thank you.